Welcome to this Business of Music and Poetry podcast, where the life of a creative meets the real world. I'm Michael Amade, poet, musician, and author of more books than I should mention. My collaborator and co-conspirator in this project is none other than Clifford Brooks. Cliff is the author of Athena Departs and The Draw of Broken Eyes and Whirling Metaphysics. He's the founder of the Southern Collective Experience and is a creative force behind the Blue Mountain Review. Our guest today is poet Sky Jackson. Sky Jackson was born and raised in New Orleans. She holds an English degree from LSU and a degree in law from Mississippi College School of Law. She is currently an MFA candidate in poetry at the University of New Orleans Creative Writing Workshop, where she works with Bayou Magazine. Her work has appeared in the Delta Library Journal and Thought Catalog. Her chapbook, A Faster Grave, was published in May 2019 from Antenna Press. In this interview, Skye outlines her creative process, but also gives some really wonderful insights that we can use in creating our own work. So without any further ado, here is our interview with Skye Jackson. Hey, y'all. It is amazing to be sitting with you for this episode of This Business of Music and Poetry. On this episode, we have Sky Jackson, a poet, an editor, and a genuine genius. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so happy to be here with you guys. And I'm just, I feel really honored. And this is a great way to just end my night. <laughs> or that's, probably, thing. <laughs> that's probably the nicest thing that's ever been said to me, Sky. I'll appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> the best way to end my nights, you should stop it. Um, the positivity that, that, that I was just, I was talking to you before we started recording um, about how I found your work. And uh, it was through a student of mine um, who had been uh, moved uh, by a piece of yours that had me on the search. And um, but first in your poetry is the highest virtue of the art, and that is accessibility. Balanced with that is also um, an abiding optimism that is refreshing and, 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 and a delight to read. My question out of all of that is, how do you sustain that optimism in such a turbulent time? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I'm a naturally optimistic person. I feel like my work tends to be kind of on the darker side or it tends to be more reflective. It tends to be sort of contemplative and also probing. Um, and so I guess I try to like bring like a like almost like a darker energy to my work, you know, because I there's things that I want people to think about, you know, about how we interact with each other in everyday life and things of that sort. And so but I think each poem is different. So I have some poems that are like really funny and really light. And then I have some that are just like, no, this is very serious. You need to pay attention right now. You know, it just kind of depends on, I guess, what I'm trying to execute in the poem. But I guess. Maybe my natural optimism sort of always sort of peeks through the work, you know. It does, and in in your heavier work, um, and it, it's it's what I think. Um, I think it's what it, what makes heavier poems stick. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't lighten the load, but it has a it has more light in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it there's a redemptive quality to your serious poems and a humor as well. Um, it's a it's it's. And it's it's and here's the old man coming out in me, but it's like you know kids today. But it it there's I think in poetry in the last I blame Ezra Pound to be honest with you, 
Oh, um, Lord. See, I'm not the only one. He almost ruined T.S. Eliot's career. <laughs> God, there are. Anyway, anyway, I digress. Well, if poets aren't ruining each other's lives, then what are we even doing? <laughs> you know, like, are you even doing it right? If, you're if I don't make three people life? cry a day, I haven't done my job. Seriously, <laughs> I'll, just, I'll have to go slap children for no reason. Um, this is I love being able to cut up. It's a, it's, it's, it's a lifesaver. It is. And it is, it, I see it in your work. You know, it's to hear you laugh and to have it transfer into your words is a, it's a cool connection to have. Um, I personally like to hear the person read it to hear how their cadence works, you know, magic for me. And so mentioning that, you know, as far as like reading poetry, because one day we're going to get back to having actual poetry readings. Um, I'm always fascinated with the delivery, the practice you have and when you read poetry. So what, what's your regimen or how do you approach it? I like to read the poem with the same energy that I wrote it with. You know, it's like, you know, we mm. all talk about poet, poet voice or poetry voice. And like, it's just this icky <laughs> landscape of people just reading like, I just walked outside and there were birds and the birds were pretty. And it's just like, uh, you know, and so I Amen. Like, yes, that's how some people Amen. And it's like, and you're just sitting there just like it's like, okay, I'm 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 here, I'm here, you know. But <laughs> I want to read the poem like the, the way that I in the mode that I wrote it, because that's how I wanted to be communicated. And I think having the opportunity to use your voice to convey your poem is is an opportunity, right, to kind of bring the reader inside the poem in a really intimate way, you know, and I think when you think of it like that, you start to think about how can I deliver this so that the feeling of the poem is conveyed effectively. Does that make sense? I don't know. It makes perfect sense. We are now friends for life. Welcome to the club. You're now stuck with me. And it borrows a bit from musical interpretation, too, though, mm -hmm. right? Like, yeah. like so, so it's it would be... It's if you ever see someone trying to cheerfully power their way, their way through a ballad, you know, it suddenly goes, well, something, something's off. Right. Yeah, you gotta remember like, there's performance is part of it. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And poetry and music, in my mind, are so close that if there was a relationship closer than brother and sister, that's I mean, it, it's it, it, the modes are almost identical, I, I think, as far as the, the melody that you have to maintain. Um, and, and, and the fact that, like, you know, people don't like poetry readings by and large. I think of any thought whatsoever to the theatrics of it. The, as you said, like bringing the energy to it, actually moving around and making people enjoy being there. You know, um, it, it's, it's often, it's, it's often, but I like to be alive in the poem, you know, it's, it, and, it, and it's, it really brings a vibrance to it. Um, when I talk about being vibrant, talking about music, how does music play into your creative process? Oh my gosh, there are certain musicians and musical artists that I, I kind of return to when I list, like I have muses. So my muses are like Sade and like Stevie Nicks, like these brilliant writers who are women who know how to synthesize pain and heartbreak and joy and translate that in a way that is universal to other people and also accessible. And so I think that's something that I try to do in my own work. So I'm always kind of like, like revolving around those women, you know, and their work and just trying to be like them, you know, like I have like a picture of 
Stevie Nicks in my apartment. And then I have a picture of Sade also. And so I can just, you know, it's like, remember who you are, Sky. Remember what you're trying to do and who you're trying to be, you know? And so like, they always kind of center me in that way. You know, they're like beacons of creativity for me, <laughs> I guess. And so I'm always listening to, to them. And um, I listen to a lot of rock. I listen to a lot of like 90s alt music. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm like trapped in the 90s. I'm trapped in the 80s. I'm trapped in the 50s. So I'm always kind of like jumping from era to era. <laughs> it, it, it's it's um, the cocoon in which we build ourselves to write. Um, it has to have certain ele- elements most uh, akin to our peace of mind. Um, I have recently, uh, and this is not to brag, at 46 years old, uh, gotten my life together to a point that I, I'm positive, and I've and I've realized that you know it makes writing poetry um, easier to at least for me, um, <clears throat> and that's why I'm so intrigued by by your optimism um, because like I want a shot of that. Um, what outside, what outside of the arts uh, helps you stay grounded? Oh, you know, I think spending time with friends, it's, you know, it's been like, it's been a rough year for everyone, Mm. you know, and I think my friends have really helped me a lot to just kind of, because sometimes you're just, you're trapped in your house with a computer screen and you're like, what is going on? What is happening? You know, and I I find when like I'm out in the real world, when I'm with people, when, when I'm with people who care about me who care about my work, it kind of fuels me to, to keep going and keep wanting to create and keep just wanting to be a good person, you know? And so it's just hard when you're isolated to feel that way, you know? And so I don't know. It's often overlooked. Um, and, and it's just, I think by human nature, but you hit it on that, you hit the nail on the head about surrounding yourself with people who genuinely support you and your art. Um, because it can be yeah. it can be subtly it can be subtly ruinous um, to have severe doubt around you about something that's that's precious, you know. Yeah. When you think of identity, when you think yeah. of how you see yourself in poetry, how do you describe that? Ooh, um, that's a really good question. Um, I once um, I was I interviewed Jericho Brown once. And I asked him like what my responsibility is as a poet. And he always, he said to me, it's to tell the truth. Mm -hmm. And so my identity as a poet and as a writer is to be a truth teller and to try to convey truth to other people Mm. or my truth, you know? And I think that's something that I feel um passionately about and i think that's why people connect with my poetry because it comes from a place of ex- of real life experience and truth you know i'm just like hey this is what happens mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe it'll help someone else to see what my perspective is or how i dealt with it or just what my internal landscape was in dealing with this situation and poetry kind of for me becomes the catalyst in which i can express that I can express the truth of my identity. Perfect sense. Absolutely. I think that, that fiction is where you go to lie. Poetry is about the truth. Um, yeah. I think that's why people gravitate so much and depend on it. And the, the, the new popularity it's gained um, it puts more uh, of the onus on us to be absolutely honest. 
Another question. I, uh, when, when, when I wrote my books, I decided to be absolutely starkly honest uh, and not try to hide anything or be cryptic. Um, I found that when you're absolutely uh, truth-centered, people will not assume that that's exactly what you're talking about. They think it's metaphor. Um, yeah. do, do you find that uh, when, when you get out and read, do you have any stories of where people have come up and said, hey, does this poem mean? And then they say something completely different than what you meant to begin with? Usually people come up to me and they're like, wow, I really connected with that. Or I've had that experience before, or you really, you know, spoke truth to power, like with what you said, you know, and sometimes people have different interpretations, but I can't remember a, a specific instance where it was so different from what I was trying to communicate that it came across differently to other people, you know. When, we, when we're all growing up, right? We're all starting as, as kids. We're all learning the language. We're learning about how to interact with the world. At what point did you realize that not only did you have that you had something to say, but that you could say it, that you could express your thoughts and your views on things? And mm -hmm. at what point did you, did you discover that? Could you explain kind of what that process was like? Yeah, so I started writing poetry when I was 14 years old. Um, I attended the New Orleans Center of Creative Arts in New Orleans. Um, and my mom enrolled me. And when I was first writing poetry, I felt like I didn't know what I was supposed to be writing about. You know, I'm like, what am I supposed to be writing? And then at that time, you're kind of just learning about how poetry works, right? You're learning like the rules and the definitions. And you know, what certain words mean, what does alliteration mean? What does this mean? You know, all these things, you're learning those things. You're kind of getting your toolbox set up. Um, but I don't think it was until maybe I was in college and I started experiencing things like heartbreak and pain and things like that, where I really started to like be able to harness that energy and realize like, I have something to say, you know? It was probably around my college years where I started writing like really intense poetry about love and heartbreak. And then when I and then I started trying to write poems about race, too. Um, and then I went to law school and then I was like writing poems all the time just about like this breakup that I had. And then I moved to L.A. and I fell in love. And then it was just like everything just came together, you know. Um, and so it's, it's been a journey, you know, and I think sometimes you don't even realize what you have to say until you sit down and you put pen to paper, you know, like if I just sit here and think like, what do I want to say to, what do I want to say? It might not, you know, it might not be like, I don't to say anything right now, right. you know? And so, but sometimes you sit down and you're like, wow, okay. Like there was something in there that was, you know, clawing to sort of get out or come out, you know? And I've, I've heard musicians, uh, some, some great songwriters talk about that. A lot of times you don't know what the song's about until after you've recorded it. And maybe you've even been on tour for a while and they actually look forward to going out on tour and finding out what the songs are actually about. And yeah. have you, have you ever experienced that? Like when you were doing readings or you're sharing your work after you've written it, does it become more clear what that piece is about? Or is it pretty apparent early on for you? I don't know. Sometimes I think as time goes on, a piece becomes more poignant for different reasons. You know, like maybe if I'm writing about a relationship and I was like happy at that time, you know, with that poem or in the poem. And then if there's a breakup and then you're like, oh, wow, you know, so it like it sort of takes on a different meaning, like the poem 
in some way it's still it's it's still evolving you know the feelings mm-hmm. about it are evolving the feelings that are within are harnessed within the poem are evolving as well you know and so yeah I think I've had situations where like I know a poem really affects me um one that I've written anyway is like if I'm like writing it and I'm like crying or I feel like really emotional and I'm just like whoa like this is this is very intense you know and sometimes I'll be reading a poem to to a group of people and I'll be become moved you know even though it might be an older poem or something like that because I try to put myself back into the place I was when I wrote the poem and so sometimes that itself becomes moving you know to step back into a past self becomes moving. It uh, when when I hear people talk about poetry as a vocation with uh, with all the bases covered, it's, it, it it sets me on fire. Yeah. Um, and, and and as far as like uh, you know, getting out in front of people, it, I think to edit a poem, you have to put yourself back into that position. The editing is actually harder on me emotionally than the first draft because I actually have to dig into that where I was and find things that you thought you hadn't gotten over that you had, and you find some things that you thought you'd gotten over but hadn't. You know, yeah. um, and uh, it's. The way that you talk about practicing the poem, what is the balance between technical skill and natural ability? Oof. I think about that all the time. You know, sometimes when I read po- poetry that's um, very technical, I get a little bit turned off, you know, but I want but I want my own work to be accessible. Like I don't want I don't want people to feel like they can't enter the poem as a house. And I think everyone should be welcome inside that house and they can learn something from it, you know, and I think that that's what deters people from enjoying poetry or coming to poetry is that they're like, I can't understand this. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know what's going on. Right. Like, you know, and mm-hmm. I don't think it should be like that. And I think it's, it's super elitist, you know, um, when that happens and when, when people are shut out of the work like that, you know, and so that's something that I, I don't want to do. So, you know, so my, poetry it's it's very conversational it's very colloquial um it's very kind of of its time and of its moment you know it's of of my time and of my moment and that's what it's all about you know I I just write it because I love writing it you know and that's why I do it I don't write it to like impress people or something it's just like no this is just this is what it is you know and you either take it or you leave it you like it or you don't okay cool like we all go on with our lives you know but um you have to convey your truth if you're gonna if you're gonna Mm -hmm. write poetry you know you have to that's the only way other people connect with it you know and find something Mm -hmm. within that poem for themselves to take well i think there's there's something you know kind of powerful that I think could we could differentiate for the people who listen to this right now, which is you're doing the work on a, on a personal level because you're trying to, to write it through yourself for yourself, but also so other people might be able to connect with it. Yeah. At the same time, there's a lot of people who just kind of write poetry for themselves and maybe they're, they'll share it with a few people. But yeah. one thing that I'm really kind of pushing to every artist I know now is there's a real difference between doing some work and just tucking it over here and not doing anything with it yeah. and then actually putting it out into the world. Yeah. And I think that's a thing that a lot of people struggle with. Um, so how do you go about thinking about putting your work into the world and actually kind of doing the follow-up and doing the, doing the work that it takes to get it out? Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, this has been such a crazy year. I have not, I, 
hate to admit, but for the past few months, I have not been submitting or anything like that. You know, um, I, it's just been I it's so weird. It's just like I've been I've been wanting to work on new stuff. And I'm, I sit there and I tell myself, I need to submit stuff. I need to submit. I need to submit, you know, and I just. I don't know, for whatever reason, life being hectic or what I, I shouldn't make excuses. But yeah, I mean, but normally it's like I'll go on a like a tear where I'll just spend a day like submitting to a bunch of places. You know, I haven't done that in a while. But, you know, if you don't do it, you'll never you'll never do it. You know, and so like, it's hard, it's scary, you wait a year for these people to get back to you about what they think about your poem, or if they want to publish it or not, you know, but you have to do it, you have to like, be involved in that world and in that process in order to get your work out into the world. There's like, really no other way to do it, you know, unfortunately, unless you're gonna like, just post them to your Instagram pages or whatever. That's fine. Uh, I guess it depends on what you want. You know, it depends on what you want. True. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a whole generation of Instagram poets that somehow made it work for them too. Right. But, and it makes me hate life a little bit. So let's talk about something else. <laughs> it's just, no, no, it's, it's, uh, it, it, no, I was actually just thinking a lot about the, the submitting uh, process and um, it, it's number one. I don't understand why any magazine would say we need a year to tell you whether or not your poem was good. Um, <laughs> that's just it, it's yeah. But it's it's hey, like I get denied all the time, and I need that as weird as it sounds to keep me you know humble and, and continuing to, yeah. to practice. You know, the range of magazines out there is uh, is 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 incredible. No, it's true. There's so there's just so many different avenues. I feel like there's a home for every, there should be a home for everyone to work, you know? And, and that's the exciting thing about, you know, the magazines that exist, the magazines that are coming, you know, there's, there's room for all of us in this world. You know, we just have to find what our place is, I think. Well, and I think what you're talking about as far as, you know, doing this personal work, one of the things I love that, that you're kind of conveying here, or at least feels like you're conveying, correct me if you think I'm wrong. But that it's you're meeting poetry on the deep personal level. It's about yeah. it's about your emotions connecting to the art form and then using that to connect to other people. All of the other stuff is kind of like extraneous. You do deal yeah. with it. But I think the um I think the the thing that you know we're also talking about here too is that there is there should be a place ideally for any human that wants to be putting their work out there. If you're willing to work at it and develop your craft. As there well. it is. I won't go say it, you know, exactly. exactly. I won't go say it, but it, it, I'm not trying to be a uh, pull a George Clooney when he was, I think the Oscars or whatever, when he said that acting changes the world, but in a real way, here I am being a snob. Um, the, the literary world, I believe has kind of rose to the occasion of people need to be heard, Yeah. you know? Um, and it, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's beautiful. Really. It is. Um, when you look, when you look at your life and when you look at your career, um, where do you, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Ooh, Cliff, what a question. Um, you know, I've been thinking about that a lot. I'm 31 and so I'm kind of like, okay, what's next, you know? And I know, you know, I want to work on another book or I've been working on a book, um, I want to like, I just want to be happy. You know, I want to find some joy in my existence. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that is my, that's always my goal to find joy, to find freedom, to find love um, in what I'm doing and who I am and the work that I'm putting out into the world, you know? And so I would hope in 10 years that I'm doing all of those things, you know, I'm, I'm giving love, I'm receiving love. I'm, uh, I'm approaching some measure of happiness and joy and, and presenting that to others. Um, I'm sorry. That's a really abstract. Uh, Jericho Brown. Uh, he's an amazing, his poetry is amazing. And his, his person is is absolutely accessible like it's true it's if somebody is a say a, i don't know is a deplorable human being i can't i can't divorce that from their you know it's it's you know what i'm saying like yeah fearlessness and a strength that um that i hope to continue to grow in my own career um how do you stay brave oh hmm I don't know. I don't know that I necessarily feel brave or, you know, like I never feel brave. I just, I just try to do what I'm good at. I just try to write poems. I just try to connect with people. And I think doing what you love infuses you with some sort of bravery or some semblance of courage, you know? And Mm -hmm. when you're doing what you're, what you love to do, other people can see that they feed off of that, you know, and, and, you know, talking about Jericho Brown, what moves me so much about what he does and how he delivers his work, it's just like, there's just like this underlying tone of just tenderness Mm -hmm. about what he does and care. There's like tenderness and care about everything he does. Right. And, and I admire that so much. And I want to, I want to make poetry that does the same thing. That's tender. That's caring. That's, that shows a deep sense of vulnerability, you know, because I think that's what's, that's, what's important to a poem, you know? And mm-hmm. yeah, I guess that's how I, I try to do it, but I don't think, I don't necessarily think of myself as brave. <laughs> I, I have found in my meager time on this planet that the people who are truly brave and those who are truly shaping things in the right direction, don't consider themselves to be brave or doing things as great as they are. And I mean this about, you know, cause I can't talk about it enough that, that people need to read your work. Um, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's inescapable. Um, and it, it's, it's exciting to see where you're going. And then I love how you said earlier about how, you know, once you're in your twenties and in the college, it's, you know, you really began to pick up in poetry. Um, I think it's like the blues, uh, the music where like, you know, you, you can't really do it until you hurt, you know? Oh, it's true. Until you've got some some mileage on you, you. well to 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 pull from, you know. And if you don't have that well, it's kind of like, well, what are you trying to say? What are you trying to do? What are you trying to communicate to people? You know. There's a whole new school of thought. I don't know if it's new, but they're saying like, you know, no, you don't have to write about what you know. And in fiction, you can say about other planets. I see what they're saying. Like, you know, you can't. But in poetry, I, I think it's critical. I mean, I think it's, it's absolutely critical because the second that you're not genuine and vulnerable and honest, it is fake and people will disconnect. I'm always curious how other people see the landscape of art. And when you look at it kind of as a whole, what is your impression of it? I see it as constantly changing, evolving, becoming more, you know, inclusive of, of groups and people that have been 
historically silenced. And I think that is something that is exciting to me in is that like voices that previously haven't been heard are being heard and are being appreciated and are being listened to and and taken taken into consideration, right? Because you know, we think about the canon and who's in there, the canon. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, a lot of people that look like me are not there, you know. And and so it's exciting to me to see that that's changing and to, and to see that everyone and to, for people to know that everyone can write poetry. Anyone can write it. Anyone can can publish it. You know, you just you find your audience, you find the people who will connect best to it and you just kind of do your thing you know and and go from there and I think that's exciting to me that there's there's starting to be room for everyone at the table whereas before it wasn't necessarily that way or you had to fight for a spot at the table you know (laughs) Yeah, yeah um you have a poem that no one else has heard that no. I would love for you to read. Would you do so? No, outside of my, outside of some friends, and that's it. If no one else has heard this or seen it or whatever. So yeah, I'm happy to read this. Um, so right now it's called "When the Half Black Man I'm in Bed With Calls My Hair Nappy." I can hear it so clear again. The sizzle of my hair straightened sharp to blade and that chemical smell, relaxer, thick, white and deadly as mayonnaise stirred in a plastic cup. My nose burns before it is even applied to my roots. The stylist adjusts her plastic gloves to protect her hands from what she's about to smear across my scalp. She sighs, parting my budding curls into quadrants. Resigned, she whispers into my ear as though this is something to be hidden. Your hair is so thick. And then all I remember is the waiting and all I feel is the burn. I see it all in that second He turns his light-skinned head away from me in bed, laughing. He says, you and this nappy hair. Hope I don't wake up with any of your little curls in my mouth. His thick cruelty, cold as butter, an intimate violence brings me back down south to the hot comb in my mother's hands, the tub of blue magic hair grease on the bathroom counter, always emptied, to the Saturdays wasted in salons, or the chemical burns, each a pulsing scab, round and hard as blood-fed ticks spread across my scalp, hidden beneath glossy, straightened hair. My little words cut through the silent bedroom. I say, my curls are beautiful. I say, I love my hair. So quiet that I can't even convince myself of it. But he's already fast asleep. 
Scott, it has been energetic and extremely enlightening to have you on this evening. Um, for people that are looking for your existing book, tell folks how to find you online. Um, you can go to my website, uh, www.skyjackson.com. And you can, um, there's like a link to the, my publisher's website and you can just like access it there and buy my book. It's called A Faster Grave. And hopefully I'll have another book out for you guys soon. <laughs> I swear that sound gives me hives. I ain't even done nothing wrong. I'm like. It's, it's getting wild in the streets right now, but hey, that's, that's New it, Orleans. It, <laughs> Like I said, we have a lot of people who listen to the show who are kind of on the verge of maybe they're, they're practicing their art all the time, but a lot of them have not quite put it out into the world yet, or they're, they're kind of getting ready to take that, that jump. What kind of advice might you impart to somebody in that situation who's wanting to find the confidence, find the strength maybe to put this out into the world and then continue to do so, in, including after getting rejections? Yeah, I think... You know, I will share the advice that I give myself, which is which my little pep talk to myself is everything that you want is on the other side of fear. You know, if you can, like, get past your own fear, everything that you want is there. You know, it's like if you can just say, OK, I am scared, but I'm, I'm going to hug that feeling and I'm just going to walk right on past it. I'm not going to I'm not going to dwell on that fear. I'm not going to let it deter me from doing anything that I want to do. And I think that's like that's the best advice I can say. It's like because as writers, we get so like we're so sensitive about our work. It's so personal to us. You know, it's hard to know how other people, what are other people are going to think about it or anything like that. You know, there's a real fear and trepidation there. And so I think trying to move past that fear and knowing also that that fear is normal, knowing yes. that it's normal to feel that way and to feel scared of being rejected, but still choosing to move past that anyway is so important, you know, and I, I just want to encourage people to to move past their fear, you know, and I think everything that I've accomplished is because I was able on some level to to like look my fear in the eye and then just walk past it. Cliff and I want to say thank you for spending your time with us. We want to thank Sky Jackson for a great conversation. You can find Sky at skyjackson.com and Sky Jackson on social media. You can find Cliff Brooks at cliffbrooks.com or at southerncollectiveexperience.com. You can find myself at michaelomedy.com or you can find my old show, World Poetry Open Mic, at worldpoetryopenmic.com. Until next time. Remember to be yourself. The world needs your authenticity. Do the hard work and conquer your obstacles creatively. Remember to follow your heart, for it's easy to lose your head in this business of music and poetry. <laughs>